the British ruled India for over 200 years. And when they were gone in 1947, they left behind a subcontinent that was torn in two. The region that belonged to India was split into over 500 disjointed princely states. But by 1950, India had come together into 29 states. The borders of these states were inherited from British provinces and were a result of conquests, treaties and political planning that helped the British rule to their advantage. The state of Bombay stretched from the top half of coastal Karnataka to eastern Gujarat. There were two states called Punjab with one completely engulfed by the other. Ajmer and Bhopal were standalone provinces. The whole of Northeast except Manipur and Tripura was just the one state of Assam. And Madras was a gigantic province that bordered Orissa in the north and straddled the entire state of Mysore to have access both to the Arabian Sea and to the Bay of Bengal. So how did we end up with the state borders we have today? Let's find out. This is Long Years Ago, a show about the stories of India past and present. And I'm Zumo Kashyap. The idea to give each major linguistic group its own state in a free India was not new. The Congress party had committed to it as early as 1917. By 1920, several Congress party members grouped themselves together by language to form Pradesh Congress committees. The party's state units continue to use this name to this day. Telugu speakers from Andhra and the members from Sindh were the first to do this, with Karnataka, Orissa and Maharashtra following suit. And although not everyone was sure about this in the beginning, by 1940 pretty much everyone including Gandhi, Ambedkar, Nehru and Sardar Patel were in agreement. By 1947 though, some of them including Nehru and Patel were having doubts. It was right after the partition, when the country was divided on the basis of religion and they felt that trying to divide it further on the basis of language might only encourage the breakup of the union. Moreover, they had more pressing matters to deal with, including a war in Kashmir, migration and relocation of refugees and framing a new constitution. For now, the creation of new provinces had to wait. But not everyone was happy about this, including some members of the Constituent Assembly. To ease the friction, the then President of the Constituent Assembly, Dr. Rajendra Prasad, set up the Linguistic Provinces Commission, headed by S.K. Dhar, a retired judge of the Allahabad High Court, to recommend whether the state should be reorganized on a linguistic basis or not. In December 1948, the Dhar Commission published their report. They recommended that, quote, 
The formation of provinces on exclusively or even mainly linguistic considerations is not in the larger interests of the Indian nation. Soon after, the government constituted the JVP committee, consisting of Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru, Deputy Prime Minister Vallabhbhai Patel, and Congress President and historian Pattabhi Sitaramaiah to study the recommendations of the Dhar Commission report. The conclusions of the JVP committee were even less forgiving to the linguistic cause than the Dhar Commission. The committee not only rejected the linguistic factor for reorganization, but also argued that, quote, language was not only a binding force, but also a dividing one. And instead, they provided recommendations for reorganization of the states on the basis of, quote, security, unity, and economic prosperity of the nation. The new constitution of India, which came into effect on January 26, 1950, made India a sovereign democratic republic. The new republic was also declared to be a union of states and classified the provinces of India into four categories A, B, C and D. There were the nine part A states, which were former British presidencies. These states had an elected governor and a state legislature, quite similar to the states of today. There were nine part B states. These were former princely states or groups of princely states administered by members of those royal families under the title Raj Pramukh. Then there were the ten part C states, which were small provinces administered by an appointed chief commissioner and the sole part D territory of Andaman and Nicobar Islands administered by a governor appointed by the President of India. Although things had calmed down for a bit after the JVP committee report, the unrest restarted soon. There were the Kannadigas demanding a Samyukta Karnataka, the Marathi speakers demanding a Samyukta Maharashtra, Sikhs demanding a separate Sikh state, and so on. Nearly every linguistic group had an active movement to secure a state for themselves. But the most spirited movement by far was by the Telugu people who demanded for a separate state to be carved out of the Telugu-speaking regions of the Madras state. This movement reached its peak with Potti Shri Ramlu, a well-known freedom fighter from the south and a staunch follower of Mahatma Gandhi. He led protests and hunger strikes before on the same cause but was convinced to end them after assurances by the government. But dissatisfied with their seeming inaction, on 19th October 1952, Potti Sriramlu started a fast unto death in Madras demanding a separate state for the Telugu people. It started off without much fanfare, but it steadily caught people's attention despite the disapproval of the fast by the Andhra Congress Committee. News of the fast quickly spread across the region. Trains were stopped and roads were shut down by crowds to get the government's attention to respond to the fast. But the government was unmoved. Both Nehru and Rajaji chose to ignore the fast and these protests for eight weeks. On December 12, 1952, now 54 days into Sri Ramlu's fast, Nehru wrote to Rajaji suggesting that they might have to accept the demand for Andhra. But it was too late now. On 15 December 1952, 58 days into his fast, Potti Sri Ramlu died. 
and now all hell broke loose. Riots spread like wildfire, government offices were attacked, trains and buses were vandalized, and the entire Telugu-speaking region of Madras erupted in chaos. Several people lost their lives in the riots. The government could not wait any longer. On December 19, 1952, Nehru finally made the announcement for the formation of a separate state for the Telugu-speaking people of Madras. Nine months later, in September 1953, Parliament passed the Andhra State Act, thereby creating the first linguistic state of India. On October 1st that same year, the state of Andhra was inaugurated at the state capital Kurnool with none other than the Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru as chief guest. The creation of Andhra served as the tipping point for rest of the linguistic movements. The government of India created the state's reorganization commission to recommend the reorganization of states on linguistic basis. The committee traveled across India for 2 years, spoke to thousands of people and drew up its conclusions on how this can be done. Soon after their report was published, Parliament passed the State's Reorganization Act on 31st August 1956. The classification of states into parts A, B, C and D was also abolished and a new entity called Union Territory was created. The act came into effect on November 1st 1956 redrawing the map of India into 14 new linguistic states and 7 union territories. The map of India has since undergone many more changes. But the States Reorganization Act of 1956 remains the single most extensive change in state boundaries of independent India. Seventy years after independence, language continues to be a touchy subject in India. Whether it is the issue of the Prime Minister's speeches or signboards in Karnataka and Tamil Nadu, the issue of language equality is far from being resolved. The fight for linguistic states should not be seen as a fight for division, but as a fight for identity. identities that had been stifled under the british for 200 years and yearned for a breath of fresh air in free and independent india the formation of linguistic states not only helped to keep the union united by protecting these languages and cultures but also cemented the identities of these major people groups that might have otherwise been lost to the footnotes of history and in a world where each of us are trying to find and carve an identity of our own i think we can all in some small way relate to that if you have suggestions or feedback about the show please share it on twitter at lya podcast And don't forget to subscribe to Long Years Ago on your favorite podcast app.